The following is a sneak peek of our latest bonus episode on our Patreon. For more great content like this, head on over to patreon.com slash the Super Switch Club. Link in the show notes. Hey, Super Switch Club patrons. Uh, Frost here, your editor. Uh, this one kind of fell through the cracks, so enjoy our uh, four-month-late first impressions of Tears of the Kingdom. What am I, what the fuck am I even doing here? Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is a sequel to Nintendo's 2017 breakout hit, Breath of the Wild. I don't know. Um... Hi, editor, whoever. I just threw out 21 minutes of recording of me talking about the game. Um, and I'm going to not... I'm going to try and talk less this time. So here we go. I'd rather be playing Tears of the Kingdom than telling you assholes about Tears of the Kingdom. You're not assholes. You're all lovely people. You're all, lo- <laughs> You're all lovely people. Oof, I should be editing this so I can cut all out all of that. I'm saying this as if I had already talked about this, but that was a totally different podcast recording where I was talking about it either being my cat or my ghost. Um, all right, maybe I'll let her in to say hi. Hey, sweetie, you want to come? You want to say? You want to? You want to talk about Zelda? She likes that. She sits on my lap while I play Zelda, and then sometimes she smacks at the screen depending on what's going on. Isn't that right, my little murder princess? <laughs> you would eat a Korok. Yeah, my hair. That's my cat eating a Korok. What up, everybody? This is Scott. From the Scott Spot, I am a streamer on Twitch over at twitch.tv slash the underscore Scott underscore Spot. This is Ben from Dragoon Effect. Douglas Gale here from the podcast Game Game Pass, an Xbox Game Pass podcast. Everyone, this is Kazlo25. I'm a Twitch streamer and YouTuber. Currently on an extended hiatus because I cannot get my shit together. Uh, you may also have heard me from this podcast, Super Switch Club, and Podcasters Assemble, because on those podcasts, I don't have to do fuck all, so it's really easy to participate. <laughs> uh, thank you, editors. And we're here for a special section of the Super Switch Club, focusing on the 2023 frontrunner for Game of the Year, The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. I'm here today to talk about The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Where is it Tears of the Kingdom? Today, I'm here to share my initial thoughts and impressions on The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. You know, they never really say it in game. It could be Tears. Tears of the Kingdom. Holy shit. Tears of the Kingdom. But I'm pretty sure it's Tears. What? I don't know. What What are we supposed to say? It's a fucking great game. I like it. I Before I started playing, I checked my Switch to see how much of uh, Zelda 1 I had played. And as about... Zelda one. <laughs> um, I, let me clarify. I mean, Breath of the Wild. Um, it's the first Zelda game I've played, so it, to me, this is Zelda one and Zelda two. <laughs> that's that's how I'll be referring to these from now on. Um, although I guess I did play one of the two D ones. I have no idea which one or why or what platform. I just I remember running around and I went to somewhere. Um, and just like went inside to some sort of maze or something. I don't know. And I just died right away. And I was like, fuck this game. <laughs> so I, my fault, I did not approach it. Well, I could probably uh, uh, definitely play that game these days. So this is a game we've all been waiting for forever, right? Breath of the Wild was like the last Wii U title, the first Switch title. Um, my partner, Corey, uh, Breath of the Wild is his favorite game. I also thought it was an amazing game. Not my favorite Zelda game, but an amazing, amazing game. And they announced this thing so long ago. We all had the, the thought, right? Like, 
oh, they're just reusing Breath of the Wild's assets, which they kind of are, sort of. Uh, so it'll come out in like a year or two. Wasn't the case. We had to wait a fuck ton of time. <laughs> Way too much time. But it's finally here. We've been playing. We've all had like a few weeks with it. Um, it, it surpassed my expectations. I think it's really, really good. I think I might like it more than Breath of the Wild. My wife has been really enjoying this game. But at the same time, it seems so stressful. Like, there's so much going on and so many things to do and so many places to go and... It just doesn't stop! I don't know how many hours she has put in already, but it's been a lot. Amy Hoozel, um, Zelda 1 on my Switch, I had put 220 hours into, um, and I never, I bought the DLC and I don't think did anything with them. So you're welcome, Nintendo, for my unused money. Um, this game now, as of the time of this record, I also checked and I've put 160 hours into Zelda 2 so far. Um, since it's been out, which is wild because the 220 for Breath of the Wild was probably over the course of a year playing it off and on. And I have just been hardcore consuming Tears of the Kingdom. And I am just fucking around in this game. It was not until maybe about 110, 120 hours in that I went ahead and got like my second of the sages spoiler alert from the main quest i'll be vague enough i had the one sage they pretty hardcore push you towards and then did not get any of the other ones until deep into the game and i was just like all right fine why don't I, i'll just go grab these guys and you know continue on part of it is that i stopped playing breath of the wild after i beat uh the the main bad guy in that Gandalf? Nope, that's from Lord of the Rings. Garen? Gan... Is it Ganondorf? That sounds so dumb. It can't be Ganondorf. Ganon? I don't know. Jesus Christ. Whatever. Whoever the bad guy is in Zelda 1, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even know what's going on in Zelda 2. Is it the same guy? They keep calling him a demon king. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying things and saying spoiler alert afterwards. Um, but it doesn't matter. The point being is that the game lets you keep playing after you beat the boss. It kind of like, okay, here we drop you back off into the field before you go into the final charge and you can keep playing the game. But it's just, ugh, I, I don't like doing that. I, I, I want the last part of the game to be the big battle and then you know <laughs> have the moment on the beach <laughs> with the the lady with the big bazoombas walking by with the tray of drinks and me hanging out with with bottles and tootie that's <laughs> that's how a fucking video game should end um so with uh zelda 2 here i'm making an effort to not really wrap up uh the main quest um, also, this game is really uh, conducive if you're an ADD, <laughs> ADD, ADHD, if you're a very scattered-brained explorer like I am. So being a sequel to Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom plays very similarly. The physics engine is still here and just as good as ever, but also so is the durability system from the first game that everybody hated. And you're still exploring effectively the same Hyrule. But Tears of the Kingdom does some interesting stuff to break it up and does one thing that helps the game incredibly, and that's making a better story. That opening is fantastic. I, I had chills. I love how the story is playing out, like how it's, um, it's happening in real time, sort of. No spoilers, but... And my, one of my main complaints about Breath of the Wild was how most of the story took place in the past. And that happens from the very beginning of the game. You start out the game and you and Zelda, or Link and Zelda, are descending into the catacombs underneath Hyrule Castle. And you get an entire history lesson on the Kingdom of Hyrule from these mosaics that Zelda's analyzing. The section also starts to teach you the mechanics of the game. Uh, you get to com you get to fight a few of uh, a few Kisi, 
which are the the bat-like enemies from the game. And you get to run around, jump, all that stuff. Problem is, is Zelda just moves super slow, so you're kind of waiting on her for most of this segment. But at the bottom, the duo discover a mummified corpse of Ganondorf that suddenly jumps to life and attacks them. Luckily, Link's able to defend Zelda, but not without taking some damage. Ganon corrupts Link's right arm and breaks the Master Sword. Then, Zelda and Ganondorf fall into an abyss as the roof begins to climb and Hyrule Castle floats into the sky. An ancient-looking hand that was holding Ganondorf in place then grabs onto Link and merges with his right arm before Link blacks out. And then Link awakes in the Sky Islands. Um, start of the game. Tutorial is better than in Breath of the Wild, but it also um, is a sign that the entire game is going to be pretty similar to Breath of the Wild in terms of the uh, structure. And the Sky Islands are kind of the equivalent of uh, the Great Plateau from Breath of the Wild. You've got four different shrines that are all teaching you your new abilities for this game. And I didn't like some of the similarities. I wish it was more different. So you have different you have different powers in this game. I honestly can't remember any of the powers from um, Zelda 1, except for the jumping one, which I got late in the game and was very upset about because, man, did I love that thing. Um, it's really helpful for exploring. Um, but in this game, you kind of get to make your own powers to a degree. Ultra Hand, a lot of people love to build stuff and turn the game into a Wily e. Coyote sim simulator. You have this um, construction ability where you can um, build devices, build machines and, and various things. Uh, there's also different items that are around from the ancients of Hyrule, the Zonai, um, that you can fuse to these things as well. These include things like flamethrowers or lasers or fans, steering wheels, a big old big truck tires that you can put on and fuse them to create all kinds of different contraptions. And then you, you can find them in little like um, gumball machines um, and they're strewn about the world and then you can fuse them together with other things, you know, so you can take like a a log and stick a wheel and a stabilizer on it and now you got like a, a a log car so if i had to complain about something i am not a huge fan of the um the ultra hand mechanic and that's unfortunate because it's like the big one of the biggest new gameplay elements i'm not like super creative so like my mind stops and ends at attach wheels to plank you can also make smarter things than log cars and i can't get more creative than that but um i didn't actually use ultra hand too many times uh except when the game like specifically wanted me to build something uh, like I, I didn't just build stuff on my own just for the heck of it except once one or two times and the internet has been crazy with it you've got people building like R-Wings and TIE Fighters from Star Wars to building Metal Gear from Metal Gear Solid. Uh, and then the thing that everybody on the internet figured out to make was the hover bike, uh, which is created by taking two fans and a steering platform and fusing them together. And it gives you amazing mobility, the ability to fly into the sky, all without using much of the battery that they give you to power these creations. Um, throughout the game, you can power up that battery stronger the way that you could the stamina wheel or hearts in the original Breath of the Wild. Uh, but you do it by getting this Zonite ore um, that's usually in a place I'll talk about later. But yeah, this thing's, this hover bike's became so famous that you have people recreating the Akira poster, but with Link walking to a hover bike. Um, it's, it's a really cool mechanic. And also the rotating of that the the shit that you're using with ultra hand sucks like why can't i just rotate it freely why does it have to be in you know 45 degree angles or whatever it is uh i just can't do it i don't do a lot of building in the game i have tons of the the devices that i carry around i tend to use stuff i can find um and i occasionally will build things as need be i like it i it's not that i don't like it it's just 
you know, I'm kind of impatient and it, and it takes some time to do that. But you can go fucking bananas with these things. Um, if you haven't already seen videos of the things people build, it's pretty wild. Some of the puzzles, while they do let you solve it your own way with Ultra Hand, the ability to just fuse things together and create new things, it feels too much, too infinite. And I know it's not infinite, there are limitations. But holy moly, there are so many things to do and ways to go about it and ways to solve problems. One ability is Ascend, which allows you to jump up into a ceiling and then follow it through whatever matters above it until you pop out. So for instance, if you're in a cave underneath a huge mountain and you ascend into the ceiling, you'll pop up on top of the mountain, which allows you to scale stuff a lot easier in this game. Uh, Ascension? I didn't like that at first, you know, like going through the ceiling, but I've come to love it actually. Cause it like, you don't think your brain doesn't think that way at first, as far as like going through the ceiling, but then you get there. And now since it's, we are like 30 plus hours into the game. Now it's like, Oh, I just need to ascend. So that, that was a cool idea. I think ascend. I forgot that I had, I kept forgetting that I had the ascend ability, um, until I had been like, wandering around for like a minute not sure what to do and then i'm like oh right i can go straight up i forgot you've got rewind which allows you to freeze an item in place and then rewind time so it goes all the way back to what it was doing before that uh recall basically didn't use and i think people have tested and this item this ability tracks so many items at once like, they've been unable to figure out a cap on it. So if you throw, like, eight apples in eight different directions, you'd be able to choose which one of those eight apples you want to rewind. But it comes in, comes in pretty important for exploration, because if something falls out of the sky, you can rewind it to ride it up into the air. Or if an enemy throws a big rock at you, you can rewind it and it'll go back and hit them in the face. Fuse allows you to take any item in the environment, well, almost any item in the in the environment, and fuse it to your your weapon, your shield, or even an arrow. Fuse keeps your inventory full of weapons, so that's fine. And it's how you build your weapons in this game. Following this event with Ganondorf that kicks off the game, all the weapons in the entire Hyrule Kingdom have corroded and aren't as useful as they used to be. But the weapons are all decayed so we can't all the weapons suck and so you have to fuse different like enemy drops to make them stronger uh, or just to have them do certain effects for instance you can fuse a, a stone onto a sword and you can use that to break up ore but usually you're just using it to make your weapon stronger uh, so you'll get a lionel horn from defeating a lionel and that's gonna make you a super strong weapon and enemies of all different types drop, usually drop something that you can fuse to your weapon to make it stronger. Auto build, I didn't get until later in the game because you have to do a bonus quest for it. And then I never used it except for the required time. So runes, uh, basically, I didn't care for the runes. I, I, I wish I wanted bombs. Honestly, the, the rune that I liked the most in Breath of the Wild was the bombs, and I wanted more bombs in this game, and I didn't get them, and whatever. So, after completing your, your four shrines, you're kind of let back out into the world. You jump off of these sky islands, fall down into a pool, fall down into this pond below, and then you see this big fort outside of Castle Hyrule as your next, uh, your next area to go to. And Link is still a little underpowered because he still doesn't have his paraglider from the first game. So you're literally just running on foot. The gameplay is just great. It's so fun revisiting this world that we all know and love and seeing these characters that we all know and love. But once you get there, you meet Pura, who is no longer a child in this game. And is a pretty little, uh, pretty little thing hanging out in, a, in this fort. And I think we can all agree that Pura has made us feel things. Uh, the internet's kind of gone crazy for her too. But Pura shows you the equivalent of towers in this game, as well as giving you uh, the equivalent of the Sheikah Slate, this time called the Pura Pad. Uh, and you take your Pura Pad, you go into this tower that she's created that 
are spread out all across Hyrule the same way towers were in Breath of the Wild. In terms of doing the towers, I like the towers in Tears of the Kingdom more than I like the towers in Breath of the Wild because there was more interesting stuff to do to unlock them. And once you unlock them, you just had to open up a door and hit a terminal instead of climbing all the way to the top. You jump in, it catapults you way up in the air and you scan the region with your Pura pad. And that's how you fill out your map. And then climbing to the top part was usually not a very interesting part of the Breath of the Wild Towers to begin with. So skipping over that is better. But if you've noticed, you don't have to climb these towers like you did in Breath of the Wild. Instead, they shoot you way up in the air and you've got your paraglider that you get from Pura to be able to glide back down. This results in kind of what makes Tears of the Kingdom really different from Breath of the Wild, and it's the way that you explore. In Breath of the Wild, it was a lot of running across the horizon, riding on your horse, climbing mountains, but you don't get that much in Tears of the Kingdom. A lot of the time, you're just gliding through the air trying to get where you're wanting to go. There's a few instances where you've got to climb some mountains, but for the most part, you're exploring Hyrule from the air, which gives a completely different feeling. Yeah, I'm really big about the stamina in both of these Zelda games. Uh, I like to get them three wheels right away so I can so I can glide everywhere, uh, unlock the map. I did like all the sky towers right away, the, um, which are fun. Some people complained about the map because you basically are in the same um, overworld map um, as Breath of the Wild. I say basically because it's changed. It's it's a broken world. It's a post-apocalyptic um, relative to Breath of the Wild. Some bad shit's happened. So the map has changed. Some things are where they were. Some things have moved. But I, I don't know. I mean, you'd have to really be obsessed with that map to not find i think the delight in exploring this new version of it it's like familiar but not boring i mean i've played games that have the same map and it's not that it's not that but there's also like a sky there's dozens and dozens of caves also there's two new regions um as above as below you have a sky region which is a bit scattered there's not a lot of shit in the sky there's just like little archipelagos of islands and then there's a whole vast uh depths area uh, which if you like combat that's go to the depths there's a lot of fighting down there and both of those i mean it's it's they're great <laughs> they're great for exploring the game you see it a lot of times in the discussion of this game the designers it's very bespoke they really are handcrafting so I, so much of the world of the placement of, of of things and when you're standing on vistas and being able to look and see things, I, I can see why they reuse this map. I mean, it's it's a fucking great map. In terms of the sky up through like the whole map, the overall sky world, it's really funny that Nintendo marketed it as the, you would be exploring the sky and then you don't uh, actually have to go to the sky much at all. Uh, really weird that Nintendo would misdirect like that. They usually do not attempt to misdirect. Instead, we're actually exploring uh, the ground and the underground. And there's almost nothing in the sky. So, I don't know, I guess it's just strange. It's not necessarily bad, but... Um, the sky is a little disappointing, but it is... I mean, I'm kind of glad it's not like this huge world because the world is big enough. And that's, you know what I mean. But now that you've got your your paraglider and you've got the towers and kind of know what to do, you're set free. But not before you get a few side quests that honestly really feel like main story quests um, for you to go out and do. First, you've got, you're told to go visit the four races that you did in the first game. The Rito, the Garuda, the Goron, the Zora. You also see these crop circle-like drawings all over uh, the landscape that you're sent off to go explore or to investigate as well, which those are really interesting because found in each one of them is this pool of water, and you get this flashback to ancient Hyrule and see how Ganondorf originally rose to power, which made this probably my first target of what I was going to do in the game. 
I was gonna go find every one of those because I had to know what was going on with Ganondorf. If you're a fan of this podcast and want to keep this show going, help support us on Patreon, where you can unlock tons of great content like early access to ad-free episodes, behind-the-scenes clips, extended cuts, blooper reels, bonus episodes, and a chance to pick the game we play next. Join our 1UP Mushroom League, our exclusive DK Island Club, or the Hylian Royal Family with the power of the Triforce. Just head on over to patreon.com slash the Super Switch Club. Link is in the show notes. And finally, there's another side quest you get that sends you to my favorite area in the entire game, which is the depth. I fucking hate the depths, by the way. They scare me. It appears that there's this gloopy material that's spawned up out of these chasms all around Hyrule. Uh, and they refer to it as gloom. If you stand in this, it kind of drains your health and takes away one of your hearts until you can step out of it and into the light and it'll come back slowly. But if you descend into one of these chasms, you're met with a pitch black area filled with gloom everywhere that you've got to avoid. However, there's avenues to light up the area. There's a the equivalent to a shrine underneath called Light Roots. And they fill up the map for this area down here as well as find it as well as lighting up the area so you can see what's going on. Um, I explored the underground caverns for like two days, like two different, like three or four hour sit downs of playing the game and unlocked a bunch of light routes and like went to a whole bunch of places, but I was exploring in the wrong direction the whole time. So it actually amounted to not doing anything. I think that the underground um, is mostly a miss for me. The, it looks, like it's almost pitch black uh, it's pitch black almost all the time when you're going to a new light route and even once you get to a new light route it's mostly like a bunch of drab stuff that you're looking at when it's underground um there's also so much gloom everywhere that you can't really explore it that much which i think is funny because the point of giving link climbing in breath of the wild was so that he could explore more without the game attempting to tell you to stop exploring in a certain place um, that's the whole reason that you can always go forward and then when you get a wall, you can just start climbing up the wall. And then when you get to the cliff above, you can just leap off and use your glider. Like that's why you have that tool set so that you can constantly just keep going where you want. And then the entire gloom thing in the caverns in the second game is telling you to go take a hike or rather not take a hike, uh, to, to, to get bent. You, you try to hike and it says you can't even hike. You can't even take a hike. Go get bent. I don't know. I think it's, I think the, the whole thing kind of that great. There are also enemies everywhere down here and they're covered in gloom. So if they attack you, you're going to lose your hearts as well. I've never been so scared while playing a Nintendo game. <laughs> they're, they're just like the enemies that you've encountered down there and how it's so dark. I, I can't even. Uh, luckily, the light roots can help restore those hearts or if you just return to the surface. But speaking of gloom, that leads us to probably the scariest new enemy in the game, which are gloom hands. Uh, these are these groups of like five or six hands that pop out out of gloom and chase after Link. And they follow with a puddle of gloom with them, so you can't get close to them without losing hearts. And they like to grab Link and suck away his hearts as well. So they're really difficult to, to beat. And then when you do, things only get worse. Because then, a phantom Ganon appears, and you have to take him down. I, I remember the first time I saw that phantom Ganon appear, I just noped out. I was like, nope, I'm done. I had so much fun trying to kill those, those hands, and now I've got to fight Ganon? Not going to do it. Also in the depths is a very good area to farm for Zonite. Uh, the, the ore that you can use to make your battery stronger. So you spend a lot of time in the depths building up your battery so you can make your, your Ultra Hand creations and explore the world a lot easier. Now going back to these Gloom Hands, I, there is one part where you actually have to defeat them. When you make it to the middle of the Korok Forest, and I'm not going to spoil how you get there, you learn that the 
the great Deku tree has been corrupted. And to free it of that corruption, you've got to go inside, and there's a set of gloom hands that you have to defeat. Uh, luckily, there's a ledge nearby, and so you can kind of abuse bullet time by ascending up into it, jumping off and shooting arrows. Uh, so you can use bomb arrows or freezing arrows to really be able to take those out quickly. And then once you actually fight a Phantom, Phantom Ganon for real, you start to learn that it has a pretty easy pattern and it's kind of easier than fighting the hands. But yeah, defeating that will uh, restore the Deco Tree, which leads you to another quest that points you towards the Master Sword. It's really cool. Like I said, it's really cool seeing the land you know and love, but now you have to solve their weird ass problems. It's fine. It's all a fine game. There's a lot of spots where it feels like I'm under more time pressure because there are more people that are counting on me to solve the problems in a timely manner. In Breath of the Wild, there is a 100 years of everything being crap. Uh, and then if it's a few, like if it's an extra week of stuff being crap, it kind of doesn't matter. It's already been 100 years, you know? But in Tears of the Kingdom, stuff was starting to get good. And then if you don't hurry up and make sure that stuff gets back to being good quick, people are counting on you. And so I I emotionally felt like I was under more time pressure the whole time I was playing the game in a way that made me maybe experience, uh, have a negative experience with the game. I really like building things when it is problem solving and puzzle solving. So the sh a lot of the shrines, will be teaching you the mechanics of the game, the systems, and kind of showing you the possibilities of building by setting up a puzzle and then having a limited number of these building materials available to you to solve it. And there's not often not just one solution. There's tons of ways you can achieve the goals in here. And that to me is really fun. Uh, the the open aspect of like build whatever you want to do whatever you want is maybe a bit intimidating for me and I and I need a little bit of a a focus goal. So Koroks are back if you have play, uh, played Zelda one those little I don't know forest gremlins that you that just get lost all the time. Yeah, my cat loves Koroks. When they show up on the screen, she smacks the shit out of them. If Koroks would reel, she would definitely eat them. Another complaint that I have the Koroks. The Koroks are way shittier than they were in Breath of the Wild. A few new versions of the Korok challenges, and the one that I like is you'll find one, and he'll say, like, I'm lost, and I gotta go find my friend. And then they'll show you where the, the friend is with a little bit of green smoke, and it's... You usually have to, like, carry one to the other. I know you're supposed to use the Zonai stuff and the, um, the like, making vehicles and shit to get them to each other. It's just a pain in the ass, you know? Various levels of difficulty to get the Korok from point A to point B. Sometimes it'll just be like down the hill. Other times it'll be like up a mountain and across a river or whatever. And you do that however you want. You can just like carry them, float them in the air, um, glue them to a log, carry the log, or like build a device, build a little rolly machine or a boat or a plane and bring them over and that I really like because that is targeted problem solving like how do I traverse this little area also with this um, little Korok dude and, and, and their giant ass backpack I fucking hate the combat in this game I guess I should get that out of the way it's it's for me it's terrible um, I don't I don't care for it it's fine I guess if I wanted to spend some time learning it and I really don't um, so I just kind of avoid combat unless I have to, or unless I'm farming for shit, and then I will murder your whole family if it needs to, if you've got something I need to upgrade my armor. <laughs> yep. Your whole family. Children too. I need my armor upgraded, baby. <laughs> I need that horn. Pop. <laughs> Off it comes. Um, so I play this game just for the running around, and it is really just me running around, doing whatever, looking at stuff, picking things up, lighting it on fire. Um, and then probably falling or getting lost and then landing somewhere and then like, oh, where am I now? Let's do this thing. Working on something. I'll be like in the middle of a quest and something shiny will catch my eye and I will run across the map to go see what it is. And that's just constant. That path of the hero for me is just zigzagging wildly all over the map, up and down. And this game lets you do that. And it's great. It's great. 
you can tell when you're in areas that maybe are overpowered for you, but it's not that bad. You just have to kick the shit out of a couple of people and then you have access to high powered weapons. So you're fine. You know, I think within the first 10 hours I was, I had like a f level 50 shield and a whatever. I was fusing like high level weapons. Um, and I had like four hearts and, and <laughs> no stamina, um, because I just wandered into dangerous territory. The enemies are tougher. They feel like they, I feel like they increase the AI on the uh, monsters. And speaking of new enemies, there's one other one that I think is worth mentioning, which is the Gliok. And you might remember the Gliok from the original Legend of Zelda. It was the three headed dragon. Uh, in this game, they tend to have different elements for their heads. Um, I think there's some that are solely one element, but I, the one that I've taken down had one of all three. In general, you have to hit each of their heads and knock out their health so that it will fall to the ground and you can actually deal damage to it. Luckily, this is where weapon fusing kind of helps out a ton, because if you put a Kisi eye, the, uh, the bat-like creature from the game, you, if you put one of their eyes on one of your arrows, it will home in on the enemy's weak spot. So you use these and these heads quickly go down. Alright, and le leading back to the, the four races, um, just like in the first game where you went around and you you met the like descendants of the four champions, uh, you're doing the same thing in this game, uh, except for you're meeting the, these four sages, one for each race, um, who are granted the power of their forebearers from the time that Ganondorf rose. And to do that, you visit the four races' towns, which leads you on a quest to go do a temple, which is kind of the equivalent of one of the the Great Beast dungeons from Breath of the Wild? Uh, the Water Temple, uh, I'm going to give it three out of five. Water Temple, three out of five. Uh, I liked the boss, the uh, puzzle, the, the, the little activation pedestals were not very inspired. Lightning Temple, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Bird Temple uh, with the ships was fine, I guess. Uh, the boss was, um, yeah, it was all just fine. Bird temple, fine. The three stars. The lightning temple had, was actually so complicated and, and sort of twisty passages that I had to look up a guide for this one, but I liked the boss and I liked, um, the actual, like, like once I could make sense of which puzzles to do and like had a checklist of the puzzles. Uh, I, I really started to like it, so we'll give the Lightning Temple uh, five stars. It was the best one. I feel like some of the some of the main story puzzles are more complex than they should be. It's one thing to make a shrine a difficult puzzle because it's optional; don't have to do it. It's another thing to make a main story objective really difficult to figure out. I think it's the Fire Temple. There is one. MacGuffin that my wife needed to find. She had already found the other three or four. And we were looking for it on the internet and nobody was explaining it well. They were making it sound like, oh, you just do this. And it's like, what? Give me a picture. Give me a video. Actually, there are too many videos. Give me a picture and a description. The Fire Temple had a bunch of minecart crap that I could not figure out and I could just climb up the side of the building to bypass it all. So I kind of didn't care about figuring it out. Um, unfortunately, poorly designed temple. We're gonna go, have to give that temple one star. We eventually figured it out. But TikTok has taught us that basically everybody had an issue with that exact same point. Why not make the main story stuff accessible? It felt like they overthought some of it, which is too bad. But they're a lot more in-depth than the dungeons in Breath of the Wild were. But for instance, for the Rito, you've got the Wind Temple. For the Gerudo, you've got the Lightning Temple. The Goron are the Fire Temple. And the Zora, obviously, are the Water Temple. Along the way, you, let's say, rescue some friends, and they follow you around. But a lot of the time, they like to get in your way, whether it be your aim, or if you need to use their ability, they're not by you because you have to go to them to use their abilities where in breath of the wild if i remember right you just got the abilities that you unlocked and you could use them whenever so after you complete that 
the sage, the sage's descendant gets the sage's powers, uh, which grants to Link the ability to call on them in spirit form. Uh, and each one of them has a unique ability. Uh, for instance, the Rito companion will use its wind to shoot you forward when you're gliding, or technically when you're on the ground too, which is where it's most infuriating, because you'll be picking up a ton of items and accidentally activate it and it'll blow everything off a cliff. I'm trying to think of other things to say without being too spoilery. It's just a return to the the world that we know and love. Um, yes, you do have to cross vast expanses sometimes. There's side quests out the wazoo. You, everywhere you go, you're like, oh yeah, I love this place. Oh yeah, let's see what's going on at this place. And so and so. And we just do it, right? <laughs> Um, the mem the no spoilers, but the memories in this game are also really great and compelling story-wise. I feel, and I just can't wait to play more. Uh, on a personal level, we have completed three of the main regions. We got one left. We haven't been to the Lost Woods yet, uh, other than other than that. And it's kind of like you just want to see what happens next. Even, there's some there's some kind of like magical thing around every corner, and I think they really knocked it out of the park with this one. I just know that. I would never have enough time to play this game. It's gigantic. Definitely worth the money. It seems really good. But boy, oh boy, it also seems exhausting. But this also leads to probably the worst part of the game. The thing that almost makes it unplayable. The thing that almost takes it out of Game of the Year competition. Uh, it probably give, makes it a 2 out of 10 game, really. And that's because they gave Sidon a fiancé. Everybody's favorite ship from Breath of the Wild has a fiancé. Nintendo just ruining everybody's fun. Our favorite little shark boy has a fiancé. He's taken. We can't have him now. They took him away from us. Bad Nintendo. I feel like I played an okay portion of the game. I didn't actually go into many caves, for example. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, I liked exploring all the caves. There's probably like two caves that I ever explored. Um, like I didn't really get a lot of horses. I guess there's a lot of stuff that I didn't kind of do in the game. Uh, if I had played, the, like if I had just played this as the game that I play as a pastime for the next few months, maybe I would have a radically different perspective on the game. But like as a game that I wanted to like play, and then beat, it wasn't that great. I'd give it like a six out of 10. Did I like it more or less than Breath of the Wild? I think I like this game less than Breath of the Wild. I think, I think I am more willing to be kind to Breath of the Wild when evaluating it because it was sort of, not the first of its kind anywhere, but the first of its kind of Nintendo and the first of its kind like of this development team. But with Tears of the Kingdom, it was a direct sequel. It was very similar to Breath of the Wild. And thus I had much higher standards for it because they should have looked at Breath of the Wild and said, here's a bunch of places where we can like really improve on things and give a much better experience than the last one. And then we got a lot of the same. So six out of 10. Uh, it, this is definitely gonna be one of my favorite games of all time. And I hope that everybody gives Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom a chance. I don't think I have anything else left to say without spoilies. And uh, yeah, this has been Scott signing out. Thank you, editors. Uh, enjoy this episode of the Super Switch Club. Later. I've rambled for 10 minutes. I've barely scratched the surface of what's available in this game. And I've probably skipped over hugely important aspects of it. Hopefully, you know... I mean, if you're listening to this, you're probably already playing. You just want to hear what some random ding-dongs have to say about the game. And I get it. If you have not played the game um, and you're on the fence, then I play the first one. Play Breath of the Wild. That's fucking great. Then come to this one and it's more of it. So I'm not quite sure where people are in the world with this. Um, I don't think that's the point. I think it's I think it's just to hear people talk about an awesome game. And this is a fucking awesome game. All right. Um, I'm going to go fight some three-headed dragons, man. I'll see you later. But honestly, Tears of the Kingdom has been great. The entire lead up to the final boss is super stressful, super difficult, even with a ton of hearts. And I, at times, was just hoping I was going the right way. I had figured out where to go because this game doesn't hold your hand as much. 
these main quests that they give you at the beginning all kind of tie together and point you towards the end of the game. So if you get stuck, you just go and do one of those side quests and it kind of tells you where to go find Ganon. Tells you where to go find Ganondorf. Uh, but even with that, I still was worried I was going the right way the entire time. But I'm not going to spoil anymore. You should go play Tears of the Kingdom if you haven't. It is a great game, despite the side on Beyonce kerfuffle. Go play it. But don't forget, before you go play it, to go over to Spotify and subscribe to us there. We're trying to push for a goal that would let us monetize this podcast and help out all our great editors that actually get these episodes out. And you'll be able to know when all our new episodes come out, which next season seems like it's going to be a around-the-world speedrun, going through really quick games on every single system before we go back to our standard seasons with the Nintendo Entertainment System. Also, we've been doing some votes on Spotify, uh, so if you want to vote on some of those games that we have coming up, that's a great place to find it. But than that, like I said, you can find me on Twitch and YouTube, Caslo25, uh, and I will see everybody next time. Take care. Hey, this is Frost again. Uh, you may have noticed that the outtakes were in the opening. Uh, and that's because I have saved all the endgame spoilers for right now. So, uh, if you have played the game and know how it ends, feel free to listen. And if you're trying not to spoil, um, go ahead and turn us off right now. Thanks for listening, patrons. We really appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, see you next time on the Super Switch Club. After the you do the four temples... You go to Ganon's, you go to the Hyrule Castle and you fight against, uh, you try to find Zelda and then Zelda turns out to be Ganon and you fight the first Ganon grouping. And then it turns out like, oh, he retreated to his final lair or whatever. And then you have to explore the underground caverns. Um, the... Eventually, if you figure out the the correct way to go to the underground caverns to get to the fifth temple, you have to go through Kakariko Village. You have to do the thing at the Kakariko Ruins. It sends you to the jungle to the south, and then it sends you up into the sky. And then from the sky, you glide down into a hole in the ground, and it gets you to the spirit temple. In the spirit temple is the only time where activating four things so that you can activate the fifth thing and open up the boss was cool. Every other time that it happened in the first four dungeons was uh, not great, and I didn't like that. I wish that the dungeons in this game were more different from each other, the same way that dungeons in previous Zeldas except for Breath of the Wild tended to be more different from each other. Um, and so... When you're using the the get four things thing to be like, oh, you're getting four limbs and you're sticking them on the same mech. Yeah, that was cool. I like that part. And then you drive around the mech a little bit. That's that's all great. Uh, the getting to Ganon's castle, uh, you have to go to the surface and then fly down into specifically the hole in the ground directly like there's a there's a little tiny gap in sky where the castle's floating and you can get under the floating castle and then drop down and there's a special hole that you can go in which leads you to the start of the game and then you can run past a bunch of monsters there's just like way so many monsters i it doesn't matter uh you get to the final ganon castle and you fight Ganon as a person-sized thing and then you fight Ganon as a dragon-sized thing and you keep beating Ganon and then uh, Zelda is there. Zelda in the distant past uh, did a thing. I'll talk about the story in a second, I guess. And then uh, that's that's the game. I got up to the final Ganon fight on my own, and then I just watched the rest on YouTube. I didn't actually do the final Ganon fight because um, I didn't want to bother with like collecting more armor and hearts and stuff so as to live through the Ganon fight long enough. Uh, the story, I, I like some of the individual story scenes, but the story is actually like really poorly delivered. It's kind of an okay story that is badly told. This happens a lot, um, in video games. Uh, I think that at the, 
that that Zelda Zelda eating a spirit stone to turn herself into an eternal dragon is metal as hell. And I thought that that was like a really cool sacrifice to like towards the cause that she was like d doing this, like undergoing this this frightful transformation and stuff. I thought it showed a lot of cool courage on her part. I thought this this is great. That's a good move for Zelda to make. And then at the end of the game, uh, you're falling through the sky and the spirits of the original king and queen of Hyrule like show up and then shoot a love beam at Zelda, which turns her back into a human. And at first I thought, wow, this is stupid and undoes the weight of her having turned herself into a dragon. I hate everything that's happening right now. And then one second later, the game gives you control again and your link falling through the sky and you have to like push you have to push the button to like accelerate downwards to catch Zelda as you're also simultaneously falling and then at, and when it goes like the button isn't like pick up it's like it's not like A to pick up it's like A to catch like there, there's a little it's like an alternate word that you use specifically to get Zelda's hand as she's falling out of the sky and I thought Holy shit, this is the ro most romantic thing ever. Zelda will never have a more romantic moment than Link. Like the Zelda series will never have a more romantic moment than a Link catching a Zelda as she falls out of the sky. It'll never happen because that like they, they're, they're, their storytelling is never that good and they just stumbled into this. It's like a perfect moment. And so I immediately forgave the her turning from a dragon back into a person thing instantly forgiven. I'm going to sue Nintendo for emotional whiplash for that moment for going from dumbest crap ever to most romantic thing. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was watching. So in that sense, that's really great. Um, but that's like, that's, that's fine. It, it's, 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 it's one little, it's one little good tidbit at the end of an incredibly long game that I mostly found to be ultimately kind of trying and kind of just six out of 10.